0: Here's your host, Dane Carlson.
1: Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with Paul DiGiuseppe. Did I say that right? DiGiuseppe, Perfectly. perfect. DiGi-
2: DiGiuseppe, me. you got it right.
1: You are the Economic and Community Development Director at the Town of Middleborough in Massachusetts.
2: Yes, right near on the way to Cape Cod.
1: Okay. I'm trying to think. I'm th- thinking, oh, yes, I see. At the bottom, sort mm-hmm. of, okay, on the east. Okay, I can see that. And if
2: you've had any uh, cranberry juice by Ocean Spray, chances are it came from this region. In fact, Ocean Spray's headquarters is here. Oh. This is the okay. cranberry capital. Well, we were. It's We've kind of lost some market, but this area was historically known for uh, for its cranberries, and we still are.
1: Sure. So they grow, so it's on the coast or, I mean, is it inland somewhat or how does that Both. work? Because I can imagine Both. it would seem like it'd be farther inland maybe, but I guess it, you do flood the fields and all that. So
2: Right. Well, th- this area has a very large percentage of wetlands. So oh. the cranberry growing goes from Cape Cod all the way on the east to roughly around where I-95 is which is, it's probably about a 40 mile distance and it comes up from the coast, you know, another 20 miles or so. Sure.
1: Interesting. Well, I'm very excited to have you on the show today because um, you're the first economic developer I've ever met in Massachusetts.
2: I'm very happy to be on it. I was, I was shocked. Like why, why with all the experts in economic development, who have had a lot of experience like, Dan, what do you want me for? But I'm happy to be on to tell the story. Right. So I have I've was for about 25 years uh involved in planning. But in the last two years, my focus shifted um, you know, primarily due to COVID, but also for a passion to get involved with economic development. So I had to uh when when COVID struck and I was working I, I was the town planner for Norton, Massachusetts, which is uh, if you know where the new england patriots play in foxborough mass we were my office was about 15 minutes from Gillette Stadium so that's right on the i95 corridor but when covid hit we were really i was caught so off guard uh, on the in- economic impacts as many people were that it really forced me to refocus the work i was doing at nort to really start developing an economic development program which really required me learning from experts, uh, within the state and then having an opportunity to meet people from outside of the state and learning, you know, identifying new podcasts in my life, like your show. Sure. To learn from people about what, what are they doing? What are the success stories? What are the things I need to be doing and implementing, uh, where I work? So what were you
1: doing prior to COVID?
2: Well, I was at that time right before COVID. so. I was working, again, in the town of Norton, Massachusetts, as the uh, director of planning and economic development. Prior to that, I was—I had worked for a uh, little over 10 years in the city of Austin, Texas for their planning department, and uh, I think the, the most important thing I had worked on there was the Imagine Austin Comprehensive Plan, which was, um, it is, to me, one of the best projects I had worked on in my career. Uh, it, won multiple awards nationally at the state level and and regionally. And it was uh, just successful for so many reasons though, the product that came out of it, the extensive amount of outreach that we did, uh, just the team chemistry, uh, it, it worked on so many different levels. Uh, and then even prior to that, when I started my career, I was working in, uh, Tallahassee, Florida with the Florida department of community affairs, which was. The state's growth management uh, organization Uh, it doesn't exist anymore but uh, we were uh, implementing the legislation on uh, statewide growth management uh, growth management that many states copied uh, you know to get their programs going Um, so i've been in a few states since i've been around but all of that was largely in long-range planning and then i took my i moved back uh I grew up in, in Rhode Island and I moved back to Rhode Island five years ago and I ended up getting the position in North, uh, in the, which was my first small town planner position and which was, which was a challenge in many ways. And, and I just didn't understand or expect, which shame on me for, you know, being, you know, in my fifties and getting kind of blindsided by that. but. Massachusetts, like every state has its own language, its own vernacular, its own programs. And I went from, you know, a very large planning organization to, I was the only planner in a department of two people. And we worked with our planning board, our zoning board of appeals. And so prior to COVID, I was largely working on projects initiated uh, by, by applicants that would go in front of the planning board. So we'd have uh, some subdivisions that would come forward and we had a, a, a very large scale uh, uh, business park. So it was largely very, you know, reactive to other uh, applicants coming in. But I, you know, I knew that we were also respons- I was responsible for economic development, but it was taking me a while to get caught up with. the just the day to day aspects of the job. And then COVID hits and everything shuts down here for a few months. And, you know, it, it's how do you get word out to businesses about all of the things, all of the programs that were rapidly coming out of the federal government, getting channeled through the state. And uh, uh, it was, you know, it was a, a difficult time for a lot of us and me just, you know, feeling like I, knowing that I was not doing my job to help people out. So I retooled. So ultimately to retooled what, get...
1: yeah. Ultimately, what did you do? How did your role change and what did you do during COVID?
2: Well, I was very fortunate, uh, both in Norton and here in, in Middleborough that I had a town manager. I have a t- I had town managers that were very, uh, you know, very respectful, very open-minded and knew that their one of their primary functions was to have our backs. And so when I was in Norton town manager was just very willing to go along and support the different initiatives that we would, were slowly starting to launch to get, you know, to try to help our economy in, in the town, uh, wasn't easy. It's, it's still got a long ways to go, but it's. And I think we at least started a program that wasn't in existence two years ago, but having the support of, you know, the town manager, and then the elected officials was crucial. And then being in Massachusetts, a great thing about here is that there are, the state provides so many resources to municipalities. Certainly in the last two years, it's been the case with all of the federal money that's been, uh, invested in the, in the States that have come down. So they, there are a lot of economic development programs where funding's involved, but also where they, they will provide direct technical assistance to us. So, uh, you know, when you're a small municipality and you're the one person, it's hard to create a plan, but if they can help provide consultants, that's as much as anyone could ask for. And I think, you know, my experience working in Florida and Texas, I never saw anything like that Maybe different now because it's been a number of years that I've uh, lived and worked in both of those states. But here it's, uh, the state provides an incredible amount of resources. So one of the things you, you know, I started doing when I took on this job in Middleborough was I just started assembling all of the different incentives and, and tools and resources so that when I we start meeting with businesses or when developers reach out, we have some you know a comprehensive list of of resources available.
1: So what kinds of resources and and assistance does the state provide? Because I think that's really interesting. Because like I said, you're the first economic developer I've ever met from Massachusetts, so I have no idea what what economic development is like there.
2: Well. And I'll give you a few more after. I'll give you some names after to reach out to. Sure. You've gotten a lot more. But so, for example, there is a program. uh, The state really did a brilliant job about two years ago. So again, they had an extensive number of of programs, uh, financial programs, to help out. Somebody at the state had this wonderful idea of creating something called the Community One Stop for Growth. What it was was all of these different funding sources that you would have to apply for, they combined them into one application cycle. So instead of having to do two, three, four, all separately, you did, uh, essentially one application. So a lot of the information you, you repeated itself, it just auto, auto completed. And so some of those grants, they ranged, f- it was brilliant the way they laid it out too, because it, they, they developed what they called the, the, development continuum which went from funds that were for planning all the way through to construction so you could apply for grants to help do a small area study and they you could either some of the grants they, they would the state would directly hire a consultant or you would receive the funding to hire someone and on the other end of it it's actually for vertical and horizontal construction so for example there's a program in the state of Massachusetts called massworks where a community can apply for infrastructure funding. So when I was in Norton, uh, we applied recently to do uh, a feasibility study to extend uh, sewer lines to an old mill that a developer is in the process of taking ownership of. And then if we get that, that puts us in a position to apply for actual construction dollars. Wow. So And there's a whole range of things in between it's really uh, amazing. I mean, I've, we applied. So in, in just the last year, when I was in Norton, we applied for a placemaking grant. We applied for a grant to bring in a consultant to, um, to do an overlay district, to try to promote life sciences in Norton. Cause as you know, probably know, Boston, the Boston Metro area is the capital of life sciences right. in the whole world from from the seaport in, in Boston, all the way to Cambridge, all the way out west to 495 area, is where the the hub of of the, the majority of of life science companies is in the whole world. But for a number of reasons, now when companies are expanding, they're heading west and south. And so Norton picked up Nylam Pharmaceuticals, and other pharmaceutical companies went, you know, southeastern sure. Mass and western Mass, and so we used grant, uh, we've applied for grant funding to bring in a consultant in, in Norton to revamp our zoning code to really promote, you know, another pharmaceutical or, or, uh, uh, medical technology company. Uh, we won't know until the fall if we get the funding, uh, or Norton won't since I'm not there anymore, but those are the types of things that the state is now has been funding. And it's, you know, the, the results have been, you look around the state and some of the projects, uh, it's resulted in affordable housing units going in. It's resulted in old mills getting renovated, which, you know, this was, you know, a hundred years ago, this region was the center of industrial activity. And then 50, 40 years ago, it became the, you know, the area of quite extensive amount of blight when all those jobs left went South and then overseas. Mm -hmm. But now you, you will see a lot of old mills, beautiful old buildings, beautiful brick buildings located on water bodies all over Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut that are now lofts. Uh, many of them are mixed use Mm -hmm. buildings and a lot of that because, you know, happened because of partnerships with the state, uh, to help make those happen.
1: What are the major challenges? In Massachusetts, as as an economic developer, what what are the big challenges that you face, and you know your your um, associates in these other communities? What kind of challenges are you facing? Maybe that are unique to Massachusetts, or maybe they're you know challenges that everybody's facing everywhere. That's
2: probably, I would say, one of the things I we know that uh, would be a challenge is on life sciences is the next biggest competitor is in the uh, North Carolina, right. the triangle, mm-hmm. uh, are they've done a great job for decades. They've did a lot of the same things that we did in Massachusetts. They have great academic institutions and they've uh, collaborated well, uh, and in many ways it's, it's lower cost of living to be there, uh, than compared to here. Uh, but you know, a lot of, I, I think a lot of our challenges will just be right now, uh, inflation. The high cost of living—it's it, just tough. We, you know, we have a lot of small local businesses, and you know, they're seeing their costs go up right. extensively, especially in the last year. That's a challenge uh, on, on an economic development level. You know, when gas is at least it's dropping off a little bit. Um, I think the I think unleaded now in this area is about four dollars and thirty cents a gallon but you know if you're a farmer diesel's still approaching 6 dollars a gallon mm-hmm. so maintaining that is a is a real challenge um uh, i for a lot of i think for a lot of municipalities small municipalities um the lack of resources is a challenge and i'm sure that's true of big cities as well i'm sure if you're in austin or boston you never get enough resources at You know, even in places like that, your world is a lot more complicated. You know, I know when I worked for the city of Austin, it was just, it was a great place to be, but it's a lot easier to get to decisions in a small municipality versus a big one. Um, I can just go walk to see the town manager. I was never going to do that with the city manager in Austin, not without five layers of people above me to, you know, that's, I, I realize that's the way it has to be. But for small municipalities, you know, many of which are one planner and most towns don't even have an economic development director. A lot of times that's, that's mixed in with planning, just like my experience in North, but very few municipalities have an economic development director. And I think that's a crucial thing for, for states or municipalities to really think about because it's so important. I mean if you value economic development you should be having someone who focuses on it and you know if you're a planning director you can't donate all of your time to economic development because when you have an application and you have statutory requirements to get that reviewed and and process that and then go to you know the meetings with the planning board and you know whoever else so it's i, I think it's an opportunity for, for communities to consider looking at a person who's just focused on economic development, but ensure that they coordinate with, with planning, with the building commissioner, with the, you know, with your board of health, you know, working with other, you know, other departments to make sure that we're all in alignment and focusing on that goal of promoting economic development, whatever that means to a town.
1: Right. And so as a planner, what overlap is there between being a planner and being an economic developer, or is it, you mentioned all the statutory requirements that a planner has and all the things that they have to do, but does a planner bring a whole set of ideas that are maybe contrary to economic development, or does it mesh really well?
2: I think it meshes really well. Um, I, I, th- I know that there are planning programs that have an economic development uh, specialization and as a, you know, having worked on a number of comprehensive plans or master plans or general plans, there's always an economic development element to it and land use and economic development should coincide, but that there are, there's, I think where they not diverge, but where it, one becomes more where economic development becomes more specialized is you're working a lot with businesses to try to determine how you can best help them. So here in Middleborough, one of the biggest priorities we have is promoting our downtown and, um, we actually have a really wonderful, historic, charming downtown that has wonderful bones to it. You know, great historic architecture, our public works department recently did some, uh, uh, uh sidewalk improvements, crosswalks. Uh, lighting and benches. Uh, but with economic development, that's where your focus needs to be is working with your businesses to determine what the needs are. Planning can do it, but it's also probably at a different level. I think another part of, of economic development is, is you need to, you need to go out and recruit businesses, you know, and promote development of vacant parcels, promote, uh, the lands, you know, the uh the properties that are for lease. You know, if you have vacant storefronts, uh, that's something I need to start really getting behind. I was doing that more so in Norton, but I need to do that here. Uh, we have some great properties in downtown Middleborough that are better vacant still. That uh I think it falls on my shoulders to work with other stakeholders to promote the filling in of those sites. Right. So I, for me, I think it was a planning was a very transferable skill to it. And I, I know a lot of economic development people do come with a planning background, it's just, what are you specializing in? You know, a lot go into transportation, you know, mobility, right. some go into sustainability, um, uh, economic development, I think falls into that realm.
1: Gotcha. I've recently had to start asking economic developers in various cities, what their child care system looks like in their community is it is it overloaded do you desperately need more of it what's it look like
2: that is a great question that i'm going to need to i don't know
1: i've heard from so many writing that down you know that was never a consideration before and now it's everywhere everybody i talk to everywhere has the same problem they have they need two things they need affordable housing they need housing that two school teachers you know married can purchase and they need child care
2: and, and COVID changed a lot of that. Um, many people are still working from Mm -hmm. home, but if they're working right, they probably want their kids in childcare. I don't have an answer, but I'm, I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, And uh, that's something I, I need to look into hadn't come to my attention yet, but, uh, I don't know that I had asked anyone the question of, I know I hadn't asked that question. And, uh, now when I go back out, talk with people, I'm going to ask Good. that. Uh, I haven't come across any documents that we have that discuss it, but that's crucial because we need people to be able to want them to live in town, work in town. Right. And childcare is a huge aspect. So thank no you problem. for that. I'm embarrassed. I didn't even think about it.
1: Hey, that's what this show is all about. Uh, sharing things that we learn from other people and uh, yeah, spreading right. it around. But what's the population of Middleborough? A
2: little over 25,000. Now, we are the second largest uh, municipality in Massachusetts land wise. Now, Dan, you're going to laugh because we're only 70 square miles. <laughs> uh, you know, when I was in Austin, uh, Austin was 300 square miles. And my wife, who is uh, a native of Houston, loves to remind me that her hometown is bigger than my right, home state. Right. Uh, so, but we are 70 square miles. <laughs>
1: 70 square miles. Okay.
2: Yeah. Mostly, mostly. Uh, About 40% of its wetland uh, and then a lot of its very rural residential development, low density, uh, very historic town because we are uh, just a handful of miles away from Plymouth Mass, which of course where the Pilgrims landed. And apparently now we have Great Whites and Whales (laughs) over there now (laughs) extensively. But Plymouth is a beautiful historic town. Wow. One of the nicest waterfronts. Yeah. but we're only we're only a handful of miles away but we share a lot of the same history with sure. them
1: so what in a decade or or maybe two decades on what is the community's idea of what it should look like
2: well that's a great question and i don't have an answer for it our now our master plan is a a, a bit old now. Um I haven't spoken with the planning director yet to see what our plan is to update it. Um, I do know this, that the people, a lot of the people I've spoken with are really focused on our downtown and, you know, building it up to be uh, you know, what it, you know, what it can be. Uh, you know, it again, it has great bones and people want to see more foot traffic down there. And so I think in 10 years, I think we're looking at more restaurants, more retail, more, uh, you know, offices there. Um, that's a big thing. Uh, I know that there are people who want to just promote Middleborough more for uh, tourism, mm-hmm. coming, you know, people coming in, hopefully capturing some of the Capes uh, traffic and, and more from the region. A lot of people don't know about our downtown. And my experience when I first saw it a few months ago was, wow, this is beautiful. It's an absolutely gorgeous, small downtown. So I think people want to see that happen. Uh, but we really need to, to answer answer your question, we would really need to go back into uh, updating our master plan. Sure. And to, to get a vision of it. But. Um,
1: and do you think that yeah. in Massachusetts and in, you know, maybe around the country that COVID is going to push the adoption of new master plans in communities? Did things change that much?
2: That's a great question. Um, when we were, when I was in North, uh, we I initiated an update of the master plan that was started before COVID. In fact, we were right in the middle of it when COVID hit. And fortunately our, our uh, planning consultant, which was our regional planning agency, uh, known locally as serpent, uh, did a great job of transitioning to doing public events online. Uh, I, I don't know that COVID will do it. It, it should, because that was a game changer. We, you know, in Norton, we were in the middle of ours before COVID. So our plan definitely talks about Mm. COVID. Uh, but I think it's, it's master plans are just crucial that, that they remain up to date and implemented and, and periodically updated because conditions change, uh, they change over time. So, you know, for a municipality shouldn't go more than 10 years without making adjustments to it. I mean, my, mind 10 years is probably as long as you'd want to go, you know, we, you know, we have, you know, changing demographics here, even in a small town like this, I mean, somewhat But some of the other towns have seen tremendous changes over the last 10 20 years in populations and a a master plan is a great opportunity to bring people together to figure out where do we want to go in the next 10 to 20 years and bring in new voices and that's a key part of it too is to have really good outreach uh, to bring in the voices that don't typically show up to a town or city hall event.
1: Excellent. So let's talk about the Middleborough Resource Center. You mentioned that.
2: Yeah, it, it was, a, when I was researching for the position or getting ready for my interview, I saw this this thing called the Middleborough Business Resource Center. And it was, uh, it, it's an initiative that was created uh, before my time to help our businesses with any of their business needs. So if you have, if you're a small, bu- if you're a small business or a large business and you have questions about taxes or, uh, marketing, cybersecurity, legal aspects of your business, we have worked to bring together, uh, a number of different business consultants who will offer up to three hours of their time to work with an individual business and so uh we're just launching it uh COVID really hurt the launch uh but i committed to that being one of my top priorities is getting word out on the street um so i even in this sweltering heat i'm walking around our downtown giving brochures to people uh as we get uh notified of new business licenses being issued i'll send emails of the brochure and just letting them know if you have any questions if you if you're interested to contact me but this is a great way of helping businesses and i would say particularly small businesses when you have one owner doing everything you can't know everything but even on a large organization you probably could use some help and it's three free hours so if you needed business coaching Uh, you know, we have uh, someone who does business coaching, CPA, marketing, social media. So how does that work?
1: Does this, is the city paying for it or how does, yeah. How does that part play out?
2: Yeah. So how it works is, uh, we actually, it's funded through donations. So a few, a couple, a couple of wonderful businesses donated time, but these organ these individuals are doing the work pro bono. So, uh, they are, we're not paying them for it. They are doing this as a service. So it's really the best of all worlds in that case. Uh, and they are required to give a deliverable. So, uh, it's not them doing three hours of right. marketing themselves. It's you come in and you want to know how to write a business plan our consultant will help you step through that and help you write it. And, and, uh, or if they have tax questions, the CPA we have will help. And
1: actually give you a deliverable at the end. So, I mean, it's quite a unique idea. I was gonna say, and they'll actually give you some kind of deliverable at the end. And as opposed to just spending three hours, you know, marketing their services. So yeah, that's interesting. Right.
2: Yeah. So if, if, if a company wanted to know about social media, we could get them connected to someone, and who knows? Maybe they right. hire that company to work for them. You know, maybe there's some business relationship that opens up. So we are you know a month into starting to push this. We're in the process of actually hiring uh, a uh, marketing firm locally who will help us because uh, I'm not a salesperson. And uh, she will hopefully help me with that sales pitch when I walk through a door with a brochure. But the good thing is this now gives you know if in my shoes, it gives me a reason for right. walking through the door for to a business that's busy, and I can say, look we are we're offering a service to help your business, and there's no commitment on your part uh now again i i want to work with a marketing person to help me with that you know the the 30 seconds i have of their time to try mm-hmm. to win them over and hand them the brochure um uh, it's it, it it's too good of an idea not to be used by it so uh we're working hard to get people through the door so what will happen is when someone reaches out to me i will um set a meeting with, uh, myself and the person who had, uh, that created this, who works for a local bank, we will do essentially an intake and try to determine who what's the service or services they need. And then, uh, which, which, uh, company from our, from our toolbox, should we connect them with and then work it out from there. So it's a brilliant idea. I cannot take any credit for it, but I, because I think it's a brilliant idea, I want to put my time into it to get it out there to help our businesses and also let businesses that might be looking to come here go, well, they've got to be really business-friendly if they're right. offering them.
1: right? And we are. Right. And it, like you said, it gives you a way to uh, get in the door with your existing businesses. It gives you something to offer them immediately. Right.
2: I couldn't do that in Norton. I didn't know anything about this and when we were going through, you know, when COVID hit, I, you know, I was trying to help. Uh, in that case, we were looking at something different, but I, I didn't have a good why to walk through a door. And I, I didn't, I, I, you know, I feel like I dropped the ball on that because um, it is important to build relationships, but when they're busy, Can't just go, hi, you know, I'm Paul, I'm with the town, you know, let's get to know each other. It doesn't work that way. And, uh, but this was, you know, I would say for anyone listening, you know, finding, you know, creating that tool that gives you an opportunity to walk through the doors of any business and tell them, here's an opportunity for us to help you is a great way to build that relationship with your businesses. Not going to be easy. I mean, there's no question. I still get even today. I, this morning, I was out, and a couple were like, "Yeah, thank you." <laughs> you know, and a couple though talked, and uh, one person I ended up talking with for a while gave me some great feedback on sure downtown, as it happened to be. So uh, it's always an opportunity to learn from Excellent. from our stakeholders.
1: Excellent. Well, if any of our listeners would like to reach out to you and you know pick your brain or or get your advice on something what's the best way that, way for them to talk to you uh well i'm
2: on linkedin and it's paul d giuseppe it's d i g i u s e p p e very unlikely there's another one another paul D giuseppe out there 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 could be but you can reach me there or if you just go to the town of middleborough massachusetts it's,
1: well we'll link to all those in the show notes we really appreciate you coming on today. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on that, you, that we absolutely should? Well,
2: there were two things that I've learned. And again, you probably for a lot of your listeners will know this, but one is it's so important to just treat people well. We're in a people business and I, I was surprised that when I was working in Norton, for example, we would have developers that came and said, well, I was working, we were trying to do a project in another town and we were just treated badly. I, and I don't know what town mm-hmm. and I don't know what, you know, what happened or transpired, but the fact that they said it said in their mind, they had a bad experience, but it's so important to, I think, you know, roll out the red carpet for people, let them know that they are appreciated. The other thing, this is probably economic development one but when I first started really focusing on economic development, I attended a, a webinar uh, and they, the person cleared up a misperception that I had, which was we do economic development for job creation. And uh, the reality is, is we do economic, if, if you're a municipal economic development uh, director or planner, it's really right. about your tax base. and. An example was in Norton, about fifteen percent of our property taxes came from commercial development. We worked to try to boost that up. Now I, I we're probably they were probably a little bit higher now. It's not as though we're a rapidly growing area that changed the numbers. And I was just recently looking at Middleboroughs and it still looks like it's the same percentage. And so it's so crucial to try to build up that that commercial and industrial tax base which helps offset the cost on the residential property owners right i mean the more we can boost up the the commercial taxes that allows towns municipalities to reduce the rate right because you know to offset the hurt that's going to happen when you know like i still own property in in austin and uh (laughs)
1: That was painful this year to watch,
2: but, uh, but it's, it's crucial that we think about promoting, increasing that commercial tax base. I don't know what that sweet spot is. In fact, somebody on, uh, the Massachusetts APA or APA, Massachusetts, uh, listserv asked that question. I don't know what the answer is, but, uh, I need to find out from him. What did he find out? But, uh, you know, if you're only at fifteen percent of commercial, that's probably too low. But again, every municipality is going to be different. There are towns around here that have very little commercial development, and I assume it's just right. that's the way they want it uh, and I need to talk with folks here more to understand how much. And where do we want to see that right. growth So at happening? the end of
1: the day, economic development, at least from a municipality's perspective, is about reducing the tax burden on the residents and increasing their quality right. of life by improving the roads and the schools and, and all that. Is that what basically you're saying?
2: Right, right. And, and it's exactly, and it's also, again, you know, I still view myself as, you know, in the 101 class, but there are going to be areas of town here where we're promoting. We want the big taxpayers. You know, we want the big, you know, since we're right on uh, I 495, we're a good transportation hub. We have, you know, warehouses and, you know, company supply chain companies that we need to keep on growing. But then you have your downtown, which is also a big taxpayer. But that's about the place. That's about the community gathering. Whereas one's about, you know, a large number of jobs and a big tax base on a property. The other is about the, um, you know, about the community place. But if you follow the works of Joe Minicosi and Shane Kavanaugh, you will know now that that downtown building pays a lot more acre in taxes than the big. Big right. development, and I think that's so, an excellent point. That's uh,
1: that's something that probably a lot ver- of people maybe don't realize, especially if they're in a maybe in a more rural type situation and they've never really thought about this. So that square foot of downtown real estate is worth so much more in property taxes than that that big box store, you know, that Walmart out, out at the edge yeah. of town per square foot. Yeah,
2: yeah. And we just saw a presentation from uh, again from Joe Minicosi and Shane Kavanaugh last week that. You know demonstrates that and uh they've really grown their work developed it more and it's important for communities to really think about how development impacts our budgets and and there are unexpected things that happen that uh you know i had never thought about till uh you know in this case joe pointed out some things that you know i need to once, well, I need to start having conversations with the town manager and the assessor about just to get their perspective on it and see. But it is absolutely bigger, is not necessarily better in the cases of taxes. So where you put it matters. And, um, and again, we have to think about economic development from a purpose statement. You know, there are parts of town that are different from others. So, you know, the, the big boxes and the, the, the supply chains are, are part of that, that strategy, but they probably need to go in certain places. I mean, and then, you know, the, the small businesses, you know, ideally you will, I mean, nothing's absolute, but you know, for downtown, we would like right. to see more restaurants coming in. Uh, uh, that's crucial because again, it's, it's about it's business but it's about getting people there so um part of our goal for our downtown is to add more we've added some really wonderful businesses including a wonderful uh restaurant and and whiskey bar so I there, am. if you're a whiskey yes. person Good. you need to come I'll to write Uber that down yes chart oak <laughs> which has about over 700 different bottles but Great. that draws people and they're the you know one of the few businesses in downtown that draws people after five o'clock. Now, part of my job is working with other people to get more of that. We need a, we need a presence after five o'clock. And it's not just me saying that's a lot of stakeholders wanting to expand the business hours and get, you know, more uses that attract people. But you know, it does start with food and drink, but build in around other things with art. And we have some of that too. So that's just crucial. But again, just, you know, the point is, it's just trying to connect the right projects to the area, to the right areas as best as you can.
1: Well, Paul, this has been excellent. I have learned a lot and I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit.
2: Dane, I'm, I'm thrilled to have been on it and I love, uh, I've listened to your show and uh, I've learned a lot from it. And uh, I keep on, well, good. Keep on getting I, you know, people it's... on here.
1: I am never I am not the expert in any of this but and you know maybe you're not either but it's just so interesting to hear different perspectives and hear about the unique challenges that that you're having or hear about the challenges that are exactly the same as the kinds of things that are happening here
2: Yeah when I listen to your show um you know our our challenges aren't all unique right you know I mean nothing is i mean right you've probably worked in many places and you hear the same issues, the same concerns. It's the, the faces have changed, right, but the players right. are the same. You know, we just hear it, you know, I've heard the same things in Austin that I hear <laughs> in middle. That's, people right. want the same things in life. That's true. They want the same things, safety, you know, I mean, some people want a rural life, but it's, it's, the biggest fights in Austin were in the downtown, in the mm-hmm. in the central core neighborhoods, when developers would come along and or, or or somebody would want to upzone a property and people resisted it. I get that, but same problems everywhere. You know, it's uh, it's the yeah. it's the same problems everywhere. But as long as you're doing the things you love doing, and again, I I took this position strictly for the opportunity to focus on economic development. I, I really liked where I was at at North. Uh, You know, I had, I worked with great people, got to, got to initiate a lot of things, you know, but, you know, just half the time was still, you know, working on other people's work. And I'm like, eh, at this age in my life, I'm like, nah, you know, I don't have any bites at the apple left. So get an opportunity to be much more proactive and creative. There you go. You know, that's why That's I'm here and I'm very happy, you know, that I'm Well, that I'm it doing sounds it.
1: like it. It sounds like you're in the right place. So best of luck to you. And uh, I hope that we can, you know, we can run into yeah, each other in person you. at some point. And I'll have to take you up on that whiskey. That sounds good. Yeah.
2: Sounds good. You come up here, then we'll go there. And, you know, my wife, we, we're in Texas, you know, we'll probably, we, We may be, she'll be going there later this year. I hope I can join her, but you know, she still has family in Houston. Yeah. Let me know. Let me know. Absolutely. And I'll I'll take you
1: to a a whiskey bar here if you'd like. Yes. In Galveston. Galveston. Good. Well, we'll make it, we'll make it happen. I'd love to. (laughs) All right. I'm going to take you up on it. All right. That sounds good. You too. Hey, have a great holiday. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. All right.